We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Another sign of the season tomorrow night at the Sun Theater on Grandel Square. Songstress Storm Large is appearing with her holiday program. Large is a woman of many talents. She writes songs as a cabaret performer, has performed on the musical stage, and has sung with many of the great symphony orchestras. She's also a best-selling author. Her show at the Sun is titled Storm Large, Holiday Ordeal. I spoke with her last week and suggested that Holiday Ordeal does not sound especially festive. I call it the holiday ordeal because the the holidays uh, usually for most people end up being such a huge ordeal with travel and with family and with plans and expectations and shopping and navigating kids coming home from school, you're still working or whatever. And it's always just kind of a big mess. Um, doesn't matter what you celebrate, everybody's caught up and everybody else is celebrating or, or trying to celebrate. And so I like to have people going through all those things, just get in the room and turn off the lights and turn up the music and the sparkle and the clingy dresses and the jokes and the music that's, um, there's Christmas music and there's just also music that's, that evokes, a, for me, the feeling of what the season should be about, which is love, exuberance, um, celebration, joy, um, reflection on the year that you've survived and, and looking forward to the next year and the hopes you have for the next year. Well, give me the titles of a couple of the songs that you'll be doing. Hmm, well, let's see. So for Christmas songs, um, I've been loving Elvis Presley's Why Can't Every Day Be Like Christmas, uh, The Pretender's 2,000 Miles. Every now and then I'll do a super standard like... Um, you know, Oh Holy Night, Silent Night, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Um, but an example of a song that I that I feel evokes the feeling of the season um, is a song from the 80s called uh, Forever Young, Alphaville. It's, a, it's kind of a new wave song, but it's just got this anthemic, beautiful sort of uh, chorus and just this soaring melody that just that lifts your heart and makes you feel all giddy like a little kid, like a hopeful, innocent kid looking at Christmas lights, you know, and, um, you know, and, and journey, don't stop believing, you know, those songs that, that just make you feel excited and happy. How many so, days a year are you on the road with uh, this group? With my band? Yeah. Um, I would say, God, this year a lot, uh, 150 probably this year. Um, in general, my my own self, by myself, about 250 days a year. But with my band, it's only like 150. I don't really understand how you're able to do that and maintain the kind of energy you have on stage. I mean, as you say, a lot of travel, and of course you're working. It's it's all work. You're doing things like interviews like this and what have you. How do you maintain the, the energy level to be able to perform 250 nights a year? For example, right now, as I give this interview... I am sitting in a bed with a huge bottle of water next to me, and I'm going to drink a lot of that water, and I'm going to lay down after this interview and go to sleep for probably two hours because I have a show tonight, and I have to get up at 6 tomorrow morning to get to Toronto for a show tomorrow night in Canada and then, um, and then turn right around and go to Detroit the next day. 
So you look at your schedule and you have to be very measured with how you behave, how you eat, uh, how much water you drink, you know, um, and we love to have um, cocktails after the show, before the show, whatever. Uh, you got to be like, all right, well, I'm going to have one after the show because I've got to go to bed. I can't be out late. Um, there's a lot of uh, – it's kind of like being an athlete, I would imagine. Um, you got to get keep your body primed and ready with some exercise, with some stretching. But the most important thing really is um, rest and hydration. You know, your, your your work has been described, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, as a little bit bawdy and a little bit edgy. Uh, how, how do you bring that uh, that to a Christmas show? Well, you know, I I've been called bawdy and edgy and oh, dirty and young people shouldn't come, and it's like, mm, yeah, I guess, you know, I I sometimes swear. No, not in a in a symphony situation. I'm 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 a lot more measured, but in my own shows. I'm a lot more free with my language, and um, but I'm I've never been shocking in a gratuitous sense to be shocking, shocking for shock's sake. Uh, what what's the worst possible thing I could say right now? It's like I don't I don't I don't operate that way, but my brain is kind of different, and the way I see things is is a little bit different. And sometimes people, you know, I'll say something that 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 is a little jarring <laughs> to the sensibilities of some more conservative thinking people. Um, and I don't, I don't do that to offend. Um, it's just me naturally behaving the way I do on stage at Christmas. I think I have a very crazily old fashioned Norman Rockwell fantasy fetish about Christmas. Um, I don't do the antiseptic, uh, what every major star has ever done for Christmas, which is like all Christmas songs, and maybe we'll make this one. Ooh, it'll rock a little bit. Ooh, and ooh, but we don't want to do too much that's weird because it's Christmas. We want to be precious with it, you know. And that's fine. But I, I'm more about the the feeling of the season, the the uh, you know, feeling like a little kid, the excitement of being a little kid, and um, believing in magic and miracles and um, hope and redemption, you know, like It's a Wonderful Life, like all the movies that we watch forever uh, at Christmas time. Um, and I, I didn't really have parents growing up, so I, you know, I've, I have fetishized the holiday. So that's why it kind of probably comes across as a little bit edgy and alternative, um, but it's, it's certainly not crude or crass. I find in watching you perform that when you uh, do get a little bit edgy or a little bit bawdy, that people laugh. They don't go, oh, my God. That's yeah. that, that's what I've seen. Well, it's all in good humor, and it's all in, in good fun. I'm not trying to alienate anyone or, or make anyone uncomfortable. You know, it's just sort of how if I find – if something strikes me as funny, you know, usually someone else will. Um, but – you know, I'm not. I would never call myself a comedian, even though there is a lot of comedy in the show. Um, but uh, it's just, it's just funny how I see stuff sometimes. Uh, is what I, is what I've been told. But um, I don't know. Edgy, edgy makes me think of like, you know, people in all black being very serious and and challenging the audience with political with political barbs and whatever. <laughs> and, no, I'm just like I'm a dork. I'm a huge dork. About lots of stuff. 
and I and I don't and I and I take my job very seriously, but I do not take myself very seriously. So maybe that's part of it. Let, let's take a moment here to uh, let people know why you're worth the price of admission when you perform, because I'd like to play what, what I consider, and I think you probably do too, but I may be wrong, of course, but uh, your signature song, I've Got You Under My Skin, is one that uh, I, I always seem to identify with you. Okay. Love listening to that, Storm. <laughs> Thank you. Such a, such a great uh, rendition of it. You're Thank very, you. very fond of the American Songbook, aren't you? I am. I am. <clears throat> There's very few things that I'll do. I mean, I'll, I'll sing songs if they're very very much requested or asked of me, especially if it's certain for a certain program. Like, I perform a lot with Michael Feinstein, whom I adore. Mm, me too. And... He's just like he's the king of the of the American Songbook, and so. Well, the Gershwin, uh, the Gershwin Songbook in particular. Yeah, and so if he asked me to sing anything, I, I, I'd be honored to to throw my throat around it. But um, it's uh, I don't tend to go into the songbook so much because I feel like a lot of those songs have been done already perfectly. Um, Under My Skin came out as sort of a, an interpretation that my music director, James Beaton, was playing around with it. And I was like, oh, and so I started singing to it. He was playing this really interesting harmonic to it. And I go, God, that really captures, for me, um, the urgency of the lyrics that you don't hear in other renditions. Other renditions are just kind of like, hey, I just, I'm thinking about you and, you know, it's all safe. And I'm like, it's not safe. Listen to what he's saying. I would sacrifice anything, come what might, for the sake of just having you near. And despite of this warning voice that comes in the night and repeats and repeats (laughs) in my ear, it's like someone is laying in bed completely crazy thinking about somebody. That can lead down a very dark road. Um, And in the song, it doesn't necessarily, whatever, it's fine. Um... It makes me stop before I before I begin. It's but but it, it's uh, it's an urgent song of longing, 
And so I, I was very happy with that interpretation because I don't, I don't set out to change anything or to improve anything or to do something all different, um, especially if it's been done already so beautifully. Well, once again, it's, it, you do a great job with that. You know, you mentioned a word, and I, don't misunderstand what I'm saying now. You know, you said that uh, some things can drive you crazy. And I happen to know, having read something about you, that uh, your mother suffered from mental illness. And mm-hmm. that at some, some point, they said, well, you're going to get it too. How did that oh, yeah. I- impact you and, and in, inform you as a performer? Well, it was something that, and it still is to this day, I believe, uh, kind of uh, um, common thinking amongst the, the me- mental health um, world that 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 things tend to be hereditary in that in that regard. But I was nine years old when I, a doctor said it. He wasn't diagnosing me. He wasn't treating me. He just sort of said it. <clears throat> yeah, you're going to end up like your mother, but we'll know what to do. He was saying it as sort of to, to comfort me, saying, "Don't worry, you know we we know how to treat it." So because you're, we've got your mom, we're going to we're we're going to we've got her, her handled. And they never did. They never figured out what was wrong with my mother. And it turns out, you know, I I did my own, obviously, um, long story short, a lot of research and everything. And my mother was just traumatized from an early, an early rough, rough, rough time. But um, how it how it uh, affected me, I already felt like a weirdo and an outcast. And uh, so it just sort of fell into line with how I saw myself already and um, alienated. And, and I, I didn't feel like I, I belonged anywhere. I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel cared for. I didn't feel like I was good enough to be protected or loved or, or thought much of. And so um, I was like, well, I'm, I'm either going to die and no one's going to really notice or I'm going to try to live because there's something in me. I knew I could sing. There was a couple of times when I would sing when I was really little, and grown-ups, despite themselves, would look at me with sort of this, oh, my God, look on their face. And I was like, whoa, I saw that. You looked at me like I did something special. And then I'd quickly get yelled at, you know, oh, you're just looking for attention. That's not good girls don't look for attention, blah, 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 whatever. But years and years and years later, when I was finally away from uh, my family of origin and I was singing and I found that I could gather people around me who were impressed and made happy and inspired and excited by my voice, which was literally the opposite of how I've ever experienced really anything in my life, that people were never really happy to see me or excited by me. I was a I was a problem. <clears throat> I was a problem. I needed attention. I was lonely. I was weird. I was punk rock. I was loud. I was I wasn't normal. I wasn't pretty. I didn't fit in. I was I was difficult. So all of a sudden there's this thing that I can do that makes people happy. Yeah, so and look- so I just hung on to that like the horn of a unicorn and kicked it out of it. it was like, Take me there. <laughs> Take me wherever this goes. So the way people respond to you and the music itself is is obviously therapeutic for you. Yeah, it, I people ask, well, how did you? When did you know you wanted to be a singer? I'm like, well, I became a really I became an artist out of loneliness. That's all. It was something that I 
can do that makes me less lonely in the world. And in turn, it turns out, thankfully, it makes other people who hear me sing feel less lonely somehow, which is a great exchange. It's the best quid pro quo I can imagine. This has gotten slightly dark here. Let's let, let's change the mood a little bit. What, what were Christmases like when you were growing up? I had a handful in um, in Pennsylvania with my father's parents, who lived in a farm, and those are the Christmases that I hang on to in my head that were real Christmases with. Christmas dinner and Christmas Eve and fireplaces and notes to Santa and cookies left for Santa and magic and snow and, you know, um, stockings and um, a lot of Christmases at home. We had a couple, I think, at home in Massachusetts, but a lot of Christmases ended up having to go to the hospital to have Christmas with my mother um, to open presents in a mental mental ward. Um, and... Um, not very happy. And then, uh, you know, just, no, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, abusive or, you know, I w- I was never locked in a basement or anything like that. It was not, it wasn't like a living nightmare, but it wasn't easy and it wasn't, it wasn't a happy home. And so, you know, you hang on to this, at least I did hang on to these happy candlelit memories of these magical Christmases that I got to enjoy a couple times. Um, and that was always sort of, for me, the bar, set that bar um, for uh, what Christmas should feel like for, for me and what I should make other people feel at Christmas time. You know, our, our time is winding down, but I do want uh, folks to hear, and we'll, we'll end it this way, uh, the, the uh, Stand Up For Me song. I, I love it. Uh, and I would like you to tell me a little bit about it. I'm not quite sure what it is. It sounds like something that should be sung in church, and probably was at some time. Um, no, it was not sung in church, at least not yet. Uh, not that I know of. A lot of people love this song, too. I was writing a song originally for um, a love song for marriage equality, in support of marriage equality. I was thinking about love songs and the perspectives of different ways to say I love you and the different ways to express love and God is love and the the absence of the fear is the absence of love. And I was trying to make a, make a point about how um, there is no crime in loving. There, the, there, every, every song out there, there's 90% of all music out there is already a love song. It's our human basic need. It's our human magic. It's, it's, it's why we exist. It's why we fight to exist. It's why we breathe and move and are motivated and inspired. It's all about love. And so uh, it made me think about that as a, love as a human condition and how love, you know, we're always praying for love and wishing for love and asking for love and sending our love to people who are in pain. And then I quickly had this odd, strange thought. Um, what does love want? What, what does love want then? If we want all of this love, does love want us? What, is love, what does love want? If love could ask anything of mankind, what would love ask? Stand up for me And we'll stand together 
I'm the sky above you, and I love you, everyone. Stand up for me, for your great grandmother, for your father, brother, and each other, and everyone. Be the light, be the answer. Stand up for me, and I'll stand beside you. I'm the light that guides you from inside you and everyone. That's Storm Large performing "Stand Up for Me." Storm will be appearing tomorrow night at eight at the Sun Theater on Grandel Square. Tomorrow on St. Louis on the Air, we'll talk with public radio podcast host and producer Amy Martin about Threshold, a program that navigates complicated environmental topics. And we'll explore Metro Theater Company's unique rock and roll take on Alice in Wonderland. Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air are available at stlpublicradio.org, or you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcast app, or elsewhere. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.